Let's jump right into Isaiah chapter 55, and it's a continuation now for the last three weeks in Isaiah 54, and now Isaiah chapter 55, having already determined a week or so ago that today's title, appropriately so, is called Seek the Lord Today. And we're just going to be diving in, stirring up our hearts, allowing ourselves to be challenged in the arena of where we started last week, hungering and thirsting after the Lord and continuing today, seeking and calling upon His name. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 6 through 13. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Everybody said amen. Amen. Neither are my ways your ways. You can double amen that. Amen, amen. Declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not... Return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth in singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. And instead of the briar, shall come up the myrtle. And it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Whew. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, thank you for your word today, Lord, this passage of Scripture. Lord, we're just so thankful for the living Word of God, living and active, Lord, moving in our hearts, guiding and speaking and convicting, and Lord, having your way in our lives. Today, have your way today, Holy Spirit. Let the Word of God just go forth and pierce. Let it go forth and pierce, Lord, soul and spirit, bone and marrow, accomplishing what you need to accomplish today, Lord. 
In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. This passage in Isaiah chapter 55, it begins and is really echoed in in various places in the Word of God to seek the Lord. But he doesn't just stop with seek the Lord. He continues on with a little bit more description, a little bit more depth of seek the Lord while he may be found. We want to talk about today seeking the Lord in a world, in a life that tries to ignore his existence. In the overall world, not of course the church in most cases I believe, but in the world trying to push God out of so many just normal things and routine things of life in his provision for us. For the one who determines that he or she is going to seek the Lord, they have come to a conclusion, and we could even say a conviction, that there is a reality, there is a better reality than the one that we cast our eyes upon every day as we go to and fro. It's a conviction, it's a conclusion that there is another side to this whole thing called life. To seek the Lord, to, it's defining us how we are to seek it carefully, His presence. We are to be a people who are continually inquiring through prayer, through worship. We are a people that when we seek God in this conclusion that we have made in our life, that we will consult of the Lord. He is our number one counselor. The Holy Spirit poured out in the hearts of mankind who have trusted and believed in Jesus. He is our counselor. In Hebrews, in chapter 11, as it's said of Abraham, when we're talking about seeking, we have to look towards the, the father of our faith. And as Abraham, by faith, in verse 9 in chapter 11 of Hebrews, by faith, he went to live in a land of promise. As a foreigner in the land, living in tents with Isaac, Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Seeking the other side, seeking a, an eternal abode that is built upon different foundations, completely different principles, even in the best of nations, which we here would be one of those in our, our founding, but still completely different. Abraham seeking another place whose foundations were, were pure, whose foundations were hand-designed, 
never to be altered. Builder and maker is God. It goes on to tell us in that scripture to seek him while he may be found indicating that this other reality, this conclusion that there is another reality. There's a sort of timer. There's a sort of countdown that's happening. There's a countdown. It's a clock. It's, a, it's an eternal clock that's just, just ticking. It has a, an end. It has a conclusion. But it's not that anybody will ever be able to say, oh, but we, we didn't know, or oh, but if I had just a little bit more time. Seek him while he may be found. We would like to think, and oftentimes we even live, as though we have all the time in the world, though I don't really know what that term actually means. To me, it just doesn't feel like there's a lot of time. The older you get, the, the faster it seems to go, though technically it never really speeds up. It just seems to, it's like. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It speeds up somehow. And you feel it, you feel it. You feel it speeding up. Especially the people of God with that, that Holy Ghost, that Holy Spirit, that precious third member of the Trinity of God living within us. Helping us to, helping us to stay in step, to stay in tune. Helping us to, to understand that timer that is just ticking. The timer will eventually run out but here's the good news and we're not going to stay on that today the good news is that today is the day of salvation today today is a day that we have open doors in front of us today is a day that anybody that's hearing the sound of my voice today is a day that we have breath in our lungs Today is the day that we have access to the Spirit of God. Today is the day that Jesus, the Word of God, has sent His living Word to be received and to be walked out. The Word says, call upon Him. Seek Him while He may be found and call upon Him, meaning casting yourself wholly upon His mercy. That's what calling, it's not like all of our kids, as they kind of crest their head out of bed, Mom? Dad? Is it cold outside today? That's the first thing we hear every morning from one of, from one of our littles. Is it cold? They're trying to decide what, you know, what she's putting on. Mom? Is it cold? No, that's not what we're talking about calling upon the Lord. We're talking about casting all that we are upon him. Lord, I need you today. It's a wholeness of depending upon his mercy. It's even 
more dire than just seek. We're to be seeking, but we're to be calling and casting, calling and casting, calling and casting ourselves upon him while he may be found. Matthew 25, 10 gives us the the depiction of that timer that eventually just quits ticking when it says, and while they were going to buy, because as we mentioned last week, they, they had not spent in advance. Why do you spend money on that which does not satisfy? They had not spent in advance. They were, they were hoarding. They were hoarding for themselves rather than spending, which is all the, all the true possessions, our time and, our, and all the spiritual blessings and the access that we've been given to the presence of the Lord. They were hoarding it for all themselves instead of spending it to be ready. And when they were going to buy, the bridegroom came and those who were ready, went in, and the door was shut. Again, fortunately, today we live in a day, in age, where that door is wide open. That door is flung open to us today. It's a strange yet truth that God is always so near. Yet there are times when his nearness is more apparent than other times. The truth is that, that he's, as, he's closer than a brother. He's closer than, than the skin that, that covers our, our bones and our ligaments and all our veins. He's, he's nearer than you could ever imagine at all times. Yet, still, the, the strangeness of it is that there's still times where, where we feel so far away. Has anybody ever felt like that? You've just felt a million miles away from the Lord. It's nervous thing to raise your hand sometimes. I get it. Only David's felt like that before. <laughs> David, I'm with you, brother. I, me and you are the only ones in the house who have felt like that before, so I appreciate you acknowledging that. It's heavy, so I know we got to just keep it occasionally a little lighter. But it's a truth that Jesus, by his spirit, is so near. He's so accessible. He's so accessible. He's made himself that door that's flung open in your spiritual life and the opportunity before us. He is so accessible. And all that is required of us is to be seeking and to be calling upon his name. Think about it. As I mentioned at the beginning, those students at, at Asbury University, they're just, they're just there one day in just a normal chapel service. It might be considered just like a normal service here on, on one of our weekday meetings. And next thing you know, they're just there praying and, and sharing and and then next thing you know, they're just still there praying and sharing. And next thing you know, the next day when, when the, the sun has done set and rose one more time, they're still there just seeking, 
sharing and praying. It's like at, at one point, it's like the curtain, just in one point, in one instant, the curtain is just removed. That can happen at, at any moment. At any moment in time with a God who might seem like he's so far away, though he's, he's in our heart and, and filling our lives, that, that the reality of his presence is just like that curtain's removed. And, and like the servant of Elijah, next thing you know, that we're just surrounded with him. Hungering and thirsting, seeking and calling. Upon the name of the Lord. It's one of those questions that I say that I'll ask that I'll never actually ask because I'll be too busy worshiping like the rest of us. But Lord, why, why isn't every moment just like that curtain opened moment? I don't know if we'll ever get that answer. I don't know if it will really matter when we're in it. But I, knew, though, I do know that today our responsibility is to be pressing in and seeking and calling upon the Lord. The Lord's timing, especially for the unbeliever, is just, is just continually super abundant in mercy and grace as, as the unbeliever can walk into a space and just at the nick of time, as we say, or at God's right time is probably a better way to say that the call to come and pursue Christ, the call to salvation one more time echoes and resounds in our hearts and in our ears. David being King David, said in Psalms 61, he said, From the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Salvation, strength, determination in the Holy Ghost and in your spirit. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. It requires a, a constant calling, a constant being led and falling upon that rock who is Christ. Salvation is constantly calling out to us for us to return the continual call to him. It goes on and says, call upon him while he is near. It's doubling up on the instructions. Seek him while he may be found. Here, O oh, saints of God, listen to the word of God today. Seek him while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. We go over to the gospels and Jesus says it like this in 9 in the gospel of John, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. In Psalms, if we go backwards again to Psalms 145 verse 18, it says, The Lord is near to all who call upon him. 
to all who call upon him in truth. We're not even going to touch that today. We don't have time. And then lastly, in Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. Listen to this. He's near to those with a brokenness and with a contriteness. Brokenness we know, and we've ministered in a, in a message a long time ago now where we said that, that some things in our life just weren't meant to be fixed because we're supposed to be broken before the Lord. Always. We want everything fixed, right? We just want it. Fix this, Lord. Fix this according to what I'm asking you to do. Fix this problem in my life. Fix this ailment in my life. Fix this struggle that I'm having. But he's near to the broken and to the contrite. Now listen to contrite. You've, you may have never actually thought of actually what contrite is communicating here. The contrite of heart are the crushed. The contrite of spirit are the crushed ones. Crushed. He's near to the broken hearted and them of a contrite spirit crushed crushed just i mean i can i can identify you hear me probably share too too often of the crushing season that me and my wife and you know maybe others connected to that had had gone through and many of us we go through these crushing experiences in life in the crushing it, and ultimately the crushing is just, it's just the opportunity and for Jesus as we are broken and crushed before him. It's just his continual opportunity in the potter's hand just to continue to mold us and make us into that man of God, into that woman of God, into that, that spirit-filled, power-filled, victorious person in spite of. Anything and everything that will face us tomorrow. In spite of. We're like, we can be victorious when I get the answer to the prayer that I'm praying. No, you're going to be victorious through the prayer that you're praying. You're going to be filled with joy and you're going to be filled with peace and you're going to be filled with courage as you're believing God for all these different things in our life. We're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit and in power as we walk through all this thing called life. As the Bible clearly says, the Lord resists the proud. Pride. The proud of heart, the complete opposite of the one who is broken, the one who is contrite and crushed, the one who walks around in and, and pride just as, as much as flesh as, as pride is the flesh of man. I mean, pride has a stench to it, and it's not a stench of worship. 
It's not the type of stench that, that or aroma, we should say that, of worship that rises before the Lord. I mean, pride puts off a smell, and that smell completely contrary to the aroma of worship, that smell is a stench to the Lord's nostrils. And so the Bible tells us the Lord resists the proud. That's why there's just some things that, that aren't meant to be fixed. I'm not saying that that means that God wants you sick and that God wants you miserable or suffering. I think we're clear in saying that you can walk in joy and peace and victory and happiness, being filled with God through all scenarios of life. But there's just, there's just some things that we need, to, we need to be broken before God. And I'm happy for the Lord to, to do whatever it takes in my life and your life. Pastor, pray for this. I get excited sometimes. This is going to sound horrible, and I'll keep it very personal so that as I'm not talking about you, but sometimes with my wife and our kids are going through whatever, and I'm like, oh, yeah, finally. <laughs> I know it sounds horrible. We want, the, we want the best for them. Trust me. I know my kids are sitting in here, but they're going through some struggle or whatever, and we're like, yes, finally. Crush them, Lord. They're probably hearing that for the first time, so sorry, kids. I'm not going to look at my children. Break them, God, like a mighty stallion. You know, thank you, Jesus. Crush them. Crush them good. Never let them forget it. It's true. It's true. Because I can now look back in my short journey, which is more than some and less than others, I can look back and I am so... I am so thankful for the times of crushing in my life. I can't tell you. I hated it. I still hate the thought of it today, of what some of the things that we had to do and go through and the, the actual process of the crushing was miserable. But I look back at it and I'm just so thankful for those times of, that brought and produced brokenness in my life that I'm a less I'm a less prideful man today than I was 20 years ago I'm a less prideful man today than I was 10 or five years ago am I he's there I'm a work in progress there's still there's still stench there but I'm less I'm a less prideful man today I'm a little bit more broken today and I'm a little bit more contrite today Given credit to Jesus having walked me and my family through the things that we've gone through. So we have to learn to have eyes to recognize that and, and welcome that in our life. Still pray to the Lord. Still believe God for the word, for the word of God to, and the promises of the word to come to pass in our life. But learn to, to recognize those, those things that are bringing brokenness and contriteness to our hearts so that we will not be a people that are resisted by the Lord, but instead well-pleasing in his sight. Understanding the ways of the Lord, how the ways of the Lord, they are different than our ways. Now I want you to tell yourself that because you don't fully believe that every day. Sometimes you just, I'm, some, I'm in it with it. Remember, if I'm telling it to you, I'm telling it to me. But sometimes we're thinking, well, this is, the Lord, this is what the Lord's doing. 
And we, we just feel like we under, we've got the full understanding, and this is how it should all happen, and this is what the Word says, and so this is naturally the way that that's going to be played out in my life. But if all that is true, he'd have no need to tell us that my thoughts are not your thoughts. In verse 8, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. The Lord's operating in our life on a different, on a different sort of elevation. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We talked about the fog, and you know, sometimes the, the mist and the fog just descends upon the, the earth and how you can't navigate to drive. You can't cross the causeway. You can't hardly see. I told you about Shanghai, the smog. You can't hardly see your hand in front of your face. Well, the Word of God tells us that now in here we see dimly. We'll get to that in just a moment. Let the wicked, in verse 7, Isaiah 55. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, that he may have compassion on him. Let's pause right there for a moment. Can you hear the super abundant mercy and grace of God in that scripture? Let the wicked man speak into to any of us that are either today not walking in relationship with Christ or before when we weren't. Let the wicked man forsake his way and his thoughts. Why? Forsake them. Why? So I can cast you into eternal hell in flames of fire? No. That I may have compassion on him. God's entire aim, his instructions of seeking and calling and forsaking is only for our benefit. That he may pour out compassion. That he may pour out mercy. Yet it requires the man, the woman, especially him and her who are not serving the Lord. Or and or walking in his ways. Hear me today. It's going to get quiet, I know. To the one who's not serving. To the one who's not walking in the ways of the Lord. It says, let him return to the Lord. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let him forsake 
the things that he's thinking that are contrary to the God, the things that our thoughts that we are hearing from all the different inputs in our life that all they do is create a, a controversy, an internal, I'm not talking about a media controversy, I'm talking about an internal controversy where there is a war that is raging within us, battling against our spirit. Every day we're walking out in this, we've got to walk in and engage in this continual struggle, not to remain powerless or not to be beaten, but we have to engage it so that we can walk in the compassion, in the promises of God. In 1 Timothy, it says in verse 4 or 15, meditate on these things. I tell you, one of the hardest things that you can do is use brain power. Anybody who sits at a, at a computer all day long, isn't it always astonishing how you can, you can sit at a computer all day long and the only thing that's really moving are your fingers. And by the time you're finished in front of that machine, you are absolutely exhausted. How does that even happen? You literally, you, you might have got up three times to go to the bathroom, to go get lunch, and to, you know, shoot the bull with somebody for a minute. Or if you're at your home, I don't know, you go outside and talk to yourself for a minute. But you finished the day exhausted. As exhausted in, in many ways as the, the man or woman that's out there using their entirety of their physical being engaging in work. They're tired and exhausted in a, in a different sort of way, but both. It is work to meditate throughout the day on the things of God. It doesn't just come naturally because, what did I just say? There's a war. There's a war raging within us. So we, when we come to that conviction and that conclusion that self, I'm seeking the Lord. Not just yesterday, today, self, we are, me, you, and I, the self-trinity, we are seeking the Lord today. We're meditating on his goodness. Where Philippians said that whatever things are true and noble and just and pure and lovely and of good report, of virtuous and praiseworthy, we're spending our days in his presence just thinking on these things, giving ourselves. What is calling upon the Lord? It's not just, hey, mom, is it cold outside? No, calling upon the Lord is giving ourselves entirely. You say, well, pastor, how long do I have to do that? Not very long. Not very long at all. Just for the rest of your life. Not very long at all just for the rest of your life. That's it. Just for the days that we're on this earth. Boom. Remember that timer? It's not very long. You think and somehow we go, oh, that's just, man, that's just exhausting. That's going to get in the way of a lot of stuff. That's the point. 
it needs to get in the way. There are so many things in your life that you need this sort of heart set and mindset of seeking and calling upon the Lord to get in the way of. You need it to get in the way of it. There's things that have to, they can just fall off and trust me when they fall off, you're not going to die. You'll be thinking to yourself in just a short time, oh, thank you, Jesus, for that weight being gone. Let him who runs the race throw off that sin which so easily besets him. That weight, that burden. The process of forsaking all All that has filled our head space, our heart space for so long. It takes some time in the beginning to begin to decipher which things are true, which things are noble. Excuse me. It takes a little time. We watched a docudrama just the other night that I'd recommend on C.S. Lewis. And it the, called The Reluctant Converts, a nice sit down with, with your, yourself or your kids. or You're going to have to probably bribe your kids a little bit, maybe pizza or ice cream or something afterwards. It's not the most exciting, you know, docudrama in the world. <laughs> At the beginning, I had to sort of coach myself and, okay, get your, get your ADHD in, in order here. Come on, you can do this. And it walks you through how this man of God, one that we've all come to know and many of us love, how this man of God, his conversion to Christ was very, very slow and very, very reluctant. The ultimate end, he ended up being a powerful vessel in the hands of the Lord. But, but again, as we say, how, how do we define the radical conversions. I mean, any of us would take this man of God and we would put him into some sort of category of, of some sort of defining of being a mighty man of God, somebody that the Lord has used in, in the ways through his writings and his depiction of the other side, his depiction of the supernatural, his depiction of heaven and Christ and, and the power that we have and the power over the enemy. But it was slow going. The wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous his thoughts. For C.S. Lewis, he had, to, he had this whole arsenal of, of thoughts. He was, a, he was an educated man. He was, a, he was one of those smart ones. He had to begin to forsake them. It, it began to remind me of Philippians and another smart man who had to forsake all his learning. Does anybody come to mind? The Apostle Paul. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 and 8, it says, But whatever former things I might have that might have been gains to me, I have come to consider... As loss for Christ's sake. Yes, furthermore, I count everything as lost as compared 
to the possession of the priceless privilege of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Count everything as loss. So to the educated one, like a Paul or like a C.S. Lewis, those, those among us who excel in, in, in our readings, in our education, in our intelligence, like a Paul, we have, to, we have to forsake these things because salvation in this sort of seeking and calling doesn't come by way of, of intelligence. But just on the flip side, to the, to the poor man or woman, to the one who might think of themselves as having less opportunity than maybe the educated, intelligent one or, or maybe the one who seems like they have all the provision that they need. But to that one, the gospel has come to the poor. They not, need not think of themselves as not having the same access of calling upon and seeking the Lord while he may be found and while he is near. God's ways are so much different than our ways. His thoughts are so much different than our thoughts. And as I mentioned a moment ago, I want to give you this little nugget today. And, and it's a powerful little nugget in 1 Corinthians 13. And then it's coupled with a, a passage in Galatians, I believe chapter 3. I don't have it in front of me. But it says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. Now remember, we're thinking God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put childish things away. Verse 12, 1 Corinthians 13. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then... Face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am known. I mean, we understand this in, in, the, in a very practical, logical way that, that somehow we're looking in the mirror and we just don't have clear vision. Maybe the shower was on. It's fogged up. You can't quite shave or you're going to cut yourself or do your makeup because you're going to Whatever happens with that, wouldn't know. But before I tell you what dimly, dimly means from a, a little bit deeper version of, of dimly, listen to what it says in Galatians chapter 3 in verse 4. Uh, let me see, chapter 3, verse 28. can tell you, but I want to read it. Where were we at, guys, on Wednesday? <laughs> Children are the same as slaves. <laughs> I'm actually waiting on y'all to tell me.
can. You haven't found it yet? <laughs> Galatians, well... All right, I'm just going to have to tell you, can't find it in the heat of the moment. Teaches us in Galatians that the children of the air, Galatians 4, what, 4, 1? I was looking at that, but I couldn't, oh, there it is, thank you, John. Galatians 4, 1. Now, I say that the air, as long as he is a child, now put all this together, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. In Corinthians, we're talking about when we were still children, we thought as children, and we see in a mirror dimly. Now Galatians. Now that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ from the slave, though he is master of all, but under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. In other words, until the time that the child grows up. You see, you wonder why as, as preachers or as leaders or as parents to our children, why we're like, you got to get the word and you got to get filled with the power of the spirit. You have to be growing in the things of God. You can't just keep sipping on milk. You got you to gotta grow up. Well, the reason is not just because somebody's telling you. The reason is because that as long as you remain a child and think like a child and act like a child, you're not possessing all the promises as an heir of God. Just like the slave. The slave has nothing. Though the child of the one of the heir and the child of the slave, they might play together and be best friends. One having owned it all. In one having owned only what is given to him or her. We have to grow up in the things of God. We have to mature into being a people who are calling, who are seeking the Lord. There comes a time where there's just no more excuse. Whereas, oh, well, I just, I just, you know, I just, I just fill in the gap. There comes a time where we as a people, we have to just grow up into the things of God. And when it says that, look into a mirror dimly, listen to this thing that this means. It says, actually, we're looking into this mirror. Let me read the scripture one more time. 1 Corinthians 13. I jump back. 1 Corinthians 13, 12. Now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face now in part but then we shall know just as we're known now we look in the mirror and it's like we're looking at an enigma that's what that dimly means it's not just a fogged up mirror it's not just something that that we just have to kind of wipe and you know and kind of clean it off a little bit no we look at it and it's an enigma to us. It's like a, it's like a riddle. It's, it's this thing that, that's like a, it's like a code. I think of, for some reason, the, the enigma, I think there was the movie that, or whatever, talking about breaking the codes. It's an obscure thing as we look at it. But as we grow, as we come out of childish ways, 
all the way to that very final day when we're looking at Jesus in his eyes. This thing that at one time is so obscure, it's so weird, it's so strange, it's, it just sounds like a riddle and doing the things that you're saying that the Bible's saying, the Holy Spirit's saying that we need to do just aren't making sense to the natural man. It's because we only know in part and we have to put away our childish thoughts. We have to grow. We have to seek. We have to call upon the name of the Lord while he's near and while he may be found. And we have to do it for only this short time while we're here upon this earth. Hallelujah. We'll end with this scripture and I'm just going to give an invitation for, for those who have to leave as always. God bless you. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord today. But anybody who can carve out a few more moments today, we're going to provide an opportunity just to come and worship and sit in his presence for a while as long as we need and just seek his face today. As it says in Corinthians, and as we close with this, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, working together with him, then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time, <laughs> a favorable time, in a favorable time. Thank you, Lord, for your favorable time. I listen to you. And in a day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, hear this, people. Behold, now, according to the word of God, now is the favorable time. And behold, now is the day of salvation. Hallelujah. Go ahead and stand to your feet if you would. Whew. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. Now is a favorable time. You know, right where, if you want to come, you can, but right where you are, I just want to, I want to call upon, I want to petition your heart today. I want to petition your heart today. Every man and woman, every boy and girl, young or old or in between, every one of us, let your heart be petitioned to call upon the name of Jesus. Yes, for salvation first, but for renewal, for outpouring, to stay near, to not let our hearts grow cold. Let our hearts be petitioned today in the name of Jesus. Make space for Jesus. Make space for the move of the Holy Spirit. Make space for the wind of God to blow in your life. Make space 
for Jesus. If you need to today, right where you are, just lift your hands right where you are. If you need forgiveness today, you need to make space and as your heart is being petitioned, your heart, your life is being petitioned to open up and to call upon Jesus as Lord, Jesus as Savior, Jesus as the risen Son of God. Just open your heart today and say, Jesus, I need you. You can say this quietly. You can say it in your heart. You can say it out loud if you would like. But say, Jesus, I need you today. I need you, Jesus. I need your forgiveness. Lord, will you forgive me today? I ask you to forgive my sins. In the name of Jesus. Pray that prayer. You can pray it in many variations. But pray that prayer right now. Lord, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. To wash me white as snow. Lord Jesus, I want to be part of your family. Lord Jesus, I want eternal life. Pray that prayer. Direct it to Jesus, not to me or anybody else, just between you and Jesus. Jesus, I want and need eternal life. In the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Just take a moment before we sing or do anything else. Just let the Lord, the Holy Spirit, work upon your heart. Your heart is being petitioned. Your life is being petitioned today in the name of Jesus. Give Jesus your life. Give Jesus all who you are, all that you have. Offer it back to Jesus today. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we worship you. We worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. Now I just want everybody in the house, if you would, just lift up your hands before the Lord. You don't have to lift them as high as I have mine lifted. Just lift them a little bit if you need to. But lift your hands before the Lord and just welcome Welcome the Holy Spirit. Welcome the outpouring. Jesus has poured out the Holy Ghost. He's poured out the Spirit of the Lord from on high. Let those who thirst come unto me. Let those who hunger partake of the bread of life. Be filled to overflowing with the precious, precious Holy Spirit. In the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, just come, we ask, and pour out a fresh touch, O oh Lord. Baptize us, God, in your presence, with your presence. Baptize us, Lord, with your mighty Holy Spirit. We need your power, God, from on high. Lord, we want to walk victoriously over temptation, Lord. We want our eyes to be opened, our ears to be opened, our hearts to be opened to the things of God. Blow upon us, Jesus. Blow upon us, Lord. Just come, oh God. 
this house. Just come, O oh Lord. We need you, God. Oh, just fill us, Lord. Oh, fill our hungry hearts. We need you, Lord. We need you, God. Oh, oh we need you, Lord. We're desperate, God. God bless you if you need to go. We love you. We're so thankful that you're here in this house of God. Have an awesome, awesome day. Have an awesome week in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. If you have a little bit more time, you can carve out just a little bit more time. Just come and find a spot at this altar. Just come and find a spot. Come and find a spot. Just sit, stand, kneel, lie. Just come and find a spot at this altar. Just press in just for a while longer. Let's just press in for a while longer. Just come, oh Lord.